In Denny, Mika, Kuta, Patchy, and though sometimes the mobile scratchy, they ring to talk to Macca. G'day mate, this is Gonzo here from Kalani, WA. I just thought I'd give you a call. I've been coming over here. I'm a Kiwi, but I've been coming over here for 40 years, and this is probably the best harvest we've ever had, and I've probably been listening to you for 40 years. How'd you get the name Gonzo, Gonzo? Oh, it's a long story, but when I first came, and we had two Grahams, that's my name, Graham, we had two Grahams, and Gon- I'm trying to think of something that started with G, and he piped up and said Gonzo, and it's bloody stuck. And they're going to be a good harvest. Yeah, out here, it's probably uh, getting on for double the historical average. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, so we're just heading out to service a couple of green machines. You live here now or you come over for the harvest? Uh, no, I've got a farm in New Zealand. I just come over here as a young fella and just kept coming back. Like I said, I've been coming here for 40 years. I know everybody. I don't think anyone in town knows my proper name, but I quite like that too. We got... <laughs> Fly under the radar a bit. Worthwhile money-wise to come over? I suppose it is. Oh, I don't really worry about the money too much. Hard to get workers over here, I tell you. Good well, workers. Hard to get good workers anywhere, mate. <laughs> yeah. Good on you, Gonzo. Yeah. There's a thousand early morning callers in caravans on fishing trawlers and all connected to Macca on a Sunday morning. Yeah, Macca in the morning turns my week around. He picks me up when I feel down. I wait all week for Macca on a Sunday morning. There's milkmaid singing below Mount Warning. It's just another, just another Sunday, Sunday morning. morning. The surfers say it's wicked, sick, it's filthy. Launcestonians and Hobartians, and who's to say there isn't Martians beaming up Australia on Sunday mornings? It starts my week, Macca, on Sunday mornings. As usual, we're tearing around here this morning. It's crazy, crazy. Good morning and welcome, wherever you are. Our number's 1300 700 you know the deal. Uh, and how are you? It's uh, getting to be the end of the year, isn't it, eh? You look back and you think, I remember talking to the lady in 2020 and she said, yes, Ian, it was around this time of the year, around Christmas. Thank you, ma'am. It's a late breaking facts. Is that, no, it's a... Facebook. Um, and uh, she said, yes, Ian, I spoke to a friend of mine and he said, I'm looking forward to next year. And she said, why? She said, He's, uh, he said, it's going to be better than 2021. <laughs> well, doesn't seem to get much better, does it? But look, you've got to keep smiling. And, you know, if we all get together and help one another, it'll be it'll be good. In fact, it might help cure a whole lot of ills. Macca says Peter McNeil, bloke on at the moment, this was just before uh, 7 o'clock, um, it was Noel in the Illawarra. He, he said, uh, Macca, why don't you use army ducks, army ducks for the floods? Bloke on at the moment says Pete, anyway, uh, about why they don't use army ducks in the floods. Well, they've scrapped and sold a lot. I collect military vehicles, so I can tell you that the army haven't got any. There is no viable replacement for the Army Duck W to give you the correct title. That's D-U-K-W, all capitals. They were invented in World War II. The British government only sold off their last Duck Ws in 2005. All the larks have gone too. That's L-A-R-C, capitals. Ages ago, a lark is similar to a Duck W, only on steroids. Google both to get a picture. Only Duck W's left are in private ownership and are now worth over a hundred thousand. Is a hundred, hundred thousand dollars each? Wow. Well, see, maybe they're not. I don't know. 
maybe it's I remember army ducks at Maitland in when I was a kid, and after that you'd see army ducks just go you know they go off the road and straight into the water and whatever and things like that. I don't know if they're efficacious on along the Lachlan or anything. And good morning to you, all the people along the Lachlan and all the other rivers that have. <coughs> Copping the Murray's got lots of water in it, all heading down towards Manham, down in Adelaide. But, you know, every little Uabalong and all little places along the way, Ugara copped it, and Forbes and condos building, even as we speak, I think they're building a wall, a condo wall to try and stop water getting into the CBD. We did our program just there. Was it last year or the year before? No, year before. Time flies, doesn't it? So that's uh, that's the story. I'm not sure with um, army ducks. And uh, this is sorry. I'm just going through. Uh, oh, is it? Um, I don't know who it is. Chris says there's a Perth uh, Perth in Tassie too. Because I just had a call from Perth in in Canada, and he said we're in Perth, and there. That's the story. Um, Ian in the Central West, because we had a call earlier this morning from Tony in Canberra, and tomorrow in Canberra, Parliament House, um, it's called Zero, is it called Zero Suicide, Kill? I think it is. Zero Suicide. They're putting 2,500 boots, boots on the roof of Parliament House, I think from 11 o'clock, to highlight the, the uh, suicide in Australia, especially amongst men. Ian in the Central West says, Magra, it's all about the breakdown of the family unit and the consequent loneliness that follows for men. Society seems to be so against men, especially white Aussie men, says Ian. We get blamed for all ills. We get tagged as violent. Think white ribbon, etc. In the family that I grew up in, my father was a gentle, lovely man. There you go. Hope the Boots demo gets good coverage. Says Ian in the Central West. Thank you, Ian. G'day, this is Macca. G'day, Macca. G'day. Tony. Hi, Tony. Tony from Canberra. Mm-hmm. I'm down here in Canberra, mate. I've come down from Coffs Harbour to uh, um, do a um, uh, speaker at a special thing we're doing on Parliament House tomorrow at tell, 11 o'clock. Tell us. At, Zero Suicide uh, is the group that's doing it, and they're putting two and a half thousand boots on top of Parliament House just to represent a visual effect to represent the amount of male suicides a year we have in this country. Sadly, wow, two um, and a half. Did you say two and a half thousand? Two and a half thousand boots. Yes, we lose two and a half thousand men a year and about nine hundred women to suicide every year in this country. Sadly. And uh, this is just a visual effect. We've got the pollies coming out to have a look at it, the media, hopefully, um, just to give them an idea of what this looks like. You know, it's a terrible tragedy that happens in this country, and and it's, you know, what they're doing at the moment is not working. So no. we're trying to jolt them into action. Yeah, and what's the, what's the group called? It's called Zero Suicide. Zero it's the Suicide. Mob. Yeah, it's just a, done by a, a bloke out of his own pocket um, who's lost a friend. And uh, and it's just simply out there trying to to get attention to the subject. That's all. How do you put two and a half thousand boots on the roof of? Is this the new Parliament House or the old Parliament House? Yeah, it is the new Parliament House. Yeah, yeah. So how do you put two and a half yeah. thousand boots up there? How, how does he's that got a lot of, He's got a lot of helpers. <laughs> he's got a lot of helpers there this morning uh, on tomorrow, and uh, and they'll be placing these boots out. And they've also 
But Some it, of the boots have got notes on them. Like people have sent them from all over Australia. He's been calling for them for months. People are sending him in from all over Australia, so he's got them all there. Some have got notes in them, like a, a, a memory or a, a memorial to somebody who's lost their lives through suicide. Um, you know, their friends, their mums, dads, brothers, sisters. Um, just, you know, a, a note. And he'll read those notes out as, as we walk. We're walking around Parliament House having a look at these boots and reading out those notes as a memorial to those people that are suicided. Yeah. Yes. And, um, Tony, what's your connection with it? Why are you um, uh, involved oh, in this? I'm, I'm simply a guest speaker down here. I'm an OAM. I received an OAM back in 2010 for my work in this field. Uh, I the men's group uh, years and years ago. It's still going, 23 years ago, in fact. So that's what I do. I just I'm just coming down as a volunteer to, to help him out, to, to be a voice there. That's all. Simple but, as that. But, but why did you get involved in it in the first place, Tony? You must have had some... Well, I've always... Yeah, I've been doing it for 23 years. I started the men's group called Dads in Distress years ago. And uh, I'm the founder of that group. And were you, uh, were you a dad in distress? Yes, I was. Yes, mm. I was. I'd gone through divorce, separation, and, you know, the lack of losing my kids and uh, not seeing my kids. Being the way I was, I just... I was suicidal. I started a group, and lucky enough that uh, I had men around me that uh, supported me and kept me alive. And in turn, I kept them alive. It's as simple as that, Maga. Yeah. So there'll be a bit of a crowd there tomorrow? I hope so, mate. I I hope so. That's what he's hoping to do, is just bring it out. I come down on the train. What's his name? The fellow's Paul Withall is is the man that runs it. Yeah. Wonderful bloke. Wonderful bloke, and I'm just here to support him, mate. Simple as that, to be another person behind him. And you said uh, a minute ago that um, what they're doing now is not working, but um, it's, it's never worked, has it well, really? I mean, well, it's this... not working. You know, 23 years ago, we were losing five miles a day to suicide. Now it's way over that. And, you know, it's just got to... You've got to look at it. It's a gendered issue. It's a different type of thing. that They keep lumping people in our mental health that it's a mental health issue. It's not a mental health issue. It's, you know, the family courts. It's, uh, you know, the, the, all the rigmarole that you go through through uh, a divorce separation or, or whatever tragedy you have in life. It's just not just that. It's it's more about what Blake's... He's also calling, by the way, he's calling for a minister for men. There's a minister for women, but there's none for men, and he's calling for that as well. All right, Tony. So there you go. Zero suicide. Two and a half thousand boots on the roof. I'm just intrigued how they get the boots up there. Um, you can... Well, he's he's got permission. He's got through. He's got through the federal police. The whole deal out there. Uh, he's got permission to do it, and uh, he's got a, a heap of workers there, all volunteers that are going to place these boots all around the top of Parliament House on the lawn there, mm. and uh, that's how we're going to do it. All and right. hopefully the media will get behind us and people will get behind us. To... All this we're asking is that they have a look at this thing, you know, that it's it's happening and, and it's not working at the moment. What they're doing is not working at the moment. So we need to look at how we can better better fix this. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's the times too that we live in. I mean, the modern You're era, right. the modern era, that's the problem. Well, look, I don't know, but I think it's mobile phones and, you know, everything's in a rush. And in some yes. in some ways, the human brain's not connected. You know, you can rush around. I'm, I've rushed around, and you know, in this job from time to time, and tear around and do stories and run, 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 run. 
I'm not sure that we're meant to live like that. And, and it's now, I mean, the last three years has been tough for everybody. There's been floods and bushfires and whatever in just, uh, and then you've got the COVID on top of that. And then on top of that, you've got this technology age where everything's, you know, people, duddly, duddly, you can sit in the bus and you see them with their thumbs going. And I, my thumbs could never move that far, you know, and it's just, and I think, I think that that, that must have something to do with it. And if, if numbers of uh, suicide, as you say, have increased, maybe that's got something to do with it. I don't know how you turn that around because people nah. are wedded to their bloody phones. They're wedded to them. So I don't, I don't know, Tony, but um, I think it's a good, a good thing you do. You're, you're a Canberra local, are you, Tony? No, no, I'm from Coss Arbor. You're yeah. from Coss, right. That's right. Yeah, you I caught, can... caught the train down. I bought my young daughter. She's 10 years old. She's never been out of Coss Arbor. So it's been a bit of an exciting trip for her to come down to yeah, exactly. Down to here well, on the train. Yeah. You'll, you'll get a lot of media co- media coverage tomorrow, I'm sure, Tony. So um, good on you, mate, mate. Uh, and good luck to you. Thanks, Maker. See you, Thank mate. Thank you very, very much. It's a pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye. Rogers in Springvale. Morning, Roger. Good morning, Maka. Uh I'm ex-Navy, and I just thought I should mention that yesterday was the 81st anniversary of the loss of the HMAO Sydney and, and all its crew. They, I remember I, I mentioned it in the All Over News last week or the week before. Oh, did you? Yeah, oh, yeah. <clears throat> I don't know whether you remember or not, but many years ago there was a film called The Sullivans. Uh, yep. Barry Fitzgerald might have been the father, I can't remember that. Anyway, they had five sons and they lost the whole five on one ship. Mm. And ever since that, the American Navy, I think probably the Australian Navy, won't allow brothers to go on the same ship. And when they lost the Arizona in the Pearl Harbor bombing, it, that was the one that turned upside down. There were 17 sets of brothers on that one. Oh, dear, dear. yeah, and Terrible. You, and you hear that story about the First World War especially too, don't mm. you? And that's what um, um, Saving Private Ryan was about too. That was the same sort of story, wasn't yes, it? Yes, yeah. yeah. That, um, uh, and sometimes the father and the brothers, you know, father and the sons all... all um, uh, got killed. Amazing. Yeah. So, Roger, what's your interest in the in the? You have oh, I, I'm an ex-navy person myself. Mm. And and did you um have any rallies on the Sydney or anything like that? No, I didn't. No, no. I was I joined up in January '51, so I was 19 at the time. So I've had no uh, rallies in the navy at all. My father was in the First World War in the army, but. Uh, no, no navy uh, family members at all. Well, I think they had commemorative services in Melbourne and Sydney, certainly probably all around and over in Geraldton yeah, yeah, and all uh, over the place. Geraldton, where the memorial is, and up the up the road from Geraldton. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Roger. Yeah, we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago and did a, oh, a little piece about. Uh, yeah, I might have missed that one. You probably <laughs> might have done too. All right, Roger. Good on all you, righty. mate. Thanks. Okay, mate. Ta- bye. Richard, how are you going? Good, thanks, Richard. Yeah, I'm just uh, ringing up to say I'm a little bit disappointed uh, that over the years the recreational four drivers and motorbike riders are are getting uh, you know locked out and uh, losing their recreation in the bush. That being uh, with the national parks taking a fair chunk of it and uh, and whoever else you know, has their go at the same time. I've, Went for a ride with my son uh, during the week onto a trail which I'd ridden for 30 years and hadn't been there for quite a few years and because it had a, uh, a lock gate, a big green lock gate on it, which is 
I think that's a national park gate. We uh, could see that it was open and we went in there and it, it was open. And uh, yes, it took us five hours to go 4.8 kilometres. It was that overgrown and you know, it was such a, a great trail. It's nearly like a heritage trail that used to uh, join two communities at the base of Barrington Tops. And, and uh, old guys used to tell me that um, they used that trail to traverse on horseback from one area to another to go to community uh, dances and uh, and and do's to you know meet prospective wives and and whatnot and to lock these sort of heritage tracks up and just lose them forever is a bit of a travesty, really. Well, I think it is too. I think you're I think you're right. I mean, I, I suppose there's a quid pro quo uh, about all of this sort of stuff, but there doesn't seem to be any any um, quid pro quo, if you like. They they just either lock it or they don't lock it. Do you know what I mean? They, they just, uh, yeah. I think, bureaucracy, they're never in... People aren't consulted about anything, of course, are they? No, uh, often it's just uh, we make de- decisions. When I say we, bureaucrats make decisions and uh, with the connivance of, say, politicians because they think, A, there might be votes in it or, B, this is what the the conventional wisdom is and so that's what happens and they lock the gates and without any talking to people who use the trails all the time who are probably the best people to talk it's like farmers they're the people who are living out there all the time they know what's going on so um maybe there should be more consultation rich i don't i don't know i'm not there's so many great trails Mm, that i rode 40 years ago and a lot of them have got uh, got a big uh, government gates on them now. All right, Rich. Oh, listen, and I've got to, I've got to fly. You made your point. The news is coming up, unfortunately, mate. But thanks for your point, Rich. <whistles> Danny's online. Good morning, Danny. Morning, Macca. Um, mate, I just wanted to get all my um, homework done before next Sunday. Harrison and I are really keen to come up to Rochester. All right. Um, just just want to make sure everything's in place. I'm just looking at the map now. We'll we'll come up the I think we'll come up the Hume because if we were to go through um, through Lansfield and that, I reckon at that time in the morning, um, two hours and two minutes it'll take us to get there. So um, just want to make sure I'm there early enough to get a seat. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, and and get the trip up there without hitting a rule along the way. Exactly. Um, yep. What time do you plan to start? Well, we start at half past five. Yeah, we'll be there at half past five. I'm not I'm not good early at half past five, uh, Danny. I'm not. Uh, I'm not great. Um, if you know, that's all right. Just hand me the mic, and I'll I'll yell it. I'll scream. I'll sing a couple of songs or something, or I'll bring my dig up and and give it a bit of a a blow. Um, Righty, so are we going to? Do I need to get food on the way? Am I going? Or we're going to have egg and bacon rolls there or something? I think yeah. I think a rotary is doing something up there, so that'll be that'll be you'll be you'll be fine up there. Listen, where are you? You're in Melbourne. You're in Melbourne this morning. Yeah. What's? uh, I tell you what, Macca. You should have seen the wind last night. We were sitting inside in the comfort of our lounge room, looking out through the window, and um, and the, the 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 branches out the back on the trees. If you've ever driven past one of those car yards and you've seen that blow up thing, be swinging the arms around. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming yeah. up against, I swear, maker, those the branches were just like that, and I don't know how they didn't didn't uh, break off, but they're still standing and it's calm as anything now. So. I'm going to go out with the fly spray soon. I've been going out under the hedges each morning with the fly spray, and um, you should see the mozzies that I flush out. It's just incredible. 
Well, see, that's uh, that's going to be the next plague of of the summer is mozzies. Water not everywhere. At my house. No, but yeah, I know they're they're in. So you got to take care. Yeah, well, my my son's a bit prone to getting a reaction to them. He comes up in these big lumps, and and one of my other mates, he's the same. Like I, I get bitten. I spent a few years in Brazil, so I'm sort of a little bit. Um, I've sort of got a bit of a an immunity to them now. I guess they can they can bite me, and I get annoyed and slap them and. You know, they slap me back a few times and we have our little ordeal and then they move on and find someone with a little bit sweeter blood. But, but uh, yeah, they're going to be about, Macca. They're every front door. They wait for you to come in. And as you come in, you know, they follow you behind. So you've got to be there ready to hunt them out again. But, oh, well, you say, like you say, it's a different world we live in, Macca. I'll say, I'll say. Danny, I'm looking forward to meeting you up in Rochi. Yeah, now where exactly is it, Marco? Where do we go when we get to that, Rochester? That's a good, uh, it's at the railway station. It's called the Sports Museum. I think it's in Moore Street. Moore Street. No worries. As in less. More, it's in Moore Street. So there you go. So Lovely. You uh, filled all the gaps, Marco. We'll I, see you there next week. Yeah, Be safe I, and look forward to, to bringing some of our, our um, you know, valuable resources up to share with the town and, uh, and those that need it more than we do. Exactly. Good on you, Danny. You're a great man. Good on you, Marco. Thanks, mate. See you, mate. Bye. G'day, Maka. G'day. Uh, I just want to mention something to you very quickly. Mm-hmm. In the floods, uh, why haven't we got used uh, the amphibious ducks and larks that the Army have? Do you know what they are, Maka? Yeah, Army ducks. Yeah, Army ducks, and, and the later version was a, a thing called a lark. And uh, just, uh, I reckon it'd be fantastic with rescuing people, go straight off the road, straight into the water. Uh, and anywhere they they go anywhere because they used to run them in the sea, and they they can handle water. Yeah, look, I don't know. I don't know the reason for that. I don't know yeah, if we have a lot of those. I remember when I was a kid, and uh, and the big floods. There were big floods in Maitland. Maitland, uh, yeah, I, 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 I saw. I, I seen that. And uh, army was, ducks. They were yeah. army ducks. Were were all the right. You all imagine, ago, you but, imagine what Macca, You imagine what it'd be like if the SAS had, uh, had access to those. Oh yeah, well, I, I, yeah. I, but I assume that they know all that, and um, oh, hey, Macca, our politicians, do you think they would know that? Yeah, well, they would. I mean, they're being advised all the time. I mean, people are on the money with all this. I mean, and floods. As you, uh, your name's Noel, right? Yes, right. Yeah, Noel. With all these uh, floods, you know, floods are. You know, as I said before, we've learned how to deal really in some ways with drought because. Um, yeah. But we haven't learned how to deal with floods, and now we'll have to do that. So the next uh, year or five, we'll learn how to do that. Maybe that we'll have army ducks along rivers all over the place. So there'll be, um, you know, there'll be... Um, somebody somebody might know whether they're in storage or not, Mac. That's the thing. I don't, I don't know. They may not use them. It may not hey, be appropriate. I don't know. But you're, else... you're, the, you're the greatest person for getting things out into the public arena. So, <laughs> like, if people hear this, they might... And hear you talk about it, we might get something done. All right, Noel. And where are you? Whereabouts are you? I'm down near Lawara, and it's real beautiful weather down here. Oh, that's good. That's good. We don't want any more rain for a while, do we? No, no, mate. You and you have a good day. Good on you, Noel. Thanks, mate. Thank you. G'day. This is Macca. Hi, this is Jasmine from Mount Eliza. Hi, Jasmine. How you going? Good. Um, today I want to talk about cheerleading. About what? Cheerleading? Cheerleading, yes. Yeah. I'm going into 
nationals next week in Queensland. Wow, from Mount Eliza. Yeah. So how yeah. you you flying up there or what? Yeah, I'm flying up there and I'm staying up there for a week. Now, do you do cheerleading on your own, or you got a, you're with a group, or what's the story? Yeah. So I'm in a group, and I've been doing it since I was four. So mm. I've been doing it for like eight years, and um, we do competitions every year leading up to nationals. Mm. Okay. And how many? How many? What are these school groups or outside school groups, or what's the story, um, Jasmine? It's, so it's outside of school, and um, we train Tuesdays and Saturdays for about four hours. And we um, we do stunting, so like throwing people in the air and tumbling. Wow, wow! And you obviously enjoy it. You've been doing it for what for eight years, did you say? Yes. Wow! And you're twelve years old now. Wow. Yeah. So, how many people will they get there from all over Australia? Will they be in in Queensland yeah. or? Yeah, everywhere, all over Australia. Everyone comes. Must and... be must be exciting because you've done this before to the to the nationals, haven't you? Yeah, we haven't done it for three years since of COVID, though. Uh-huh, yeah, right, of course. Yeah. So I'm really excited, and I'm actually trying out for a new level next year. A what? A new level. So there's, I'm... like, levels in cheerleading, so I'm oh. going to the next level. All right, go to the next level, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see, I suppose uh, there might be some TV coverage of all that sort of thing. There should be because I, I, a yeah. lot, lot of colour and movement. Do you dress up? you got all sorts of uniforms and things like that, Jasmine? Yes, I've got a uniform and it's um, black and yellow. Oh, wow. And so who's your group? What's your group called? Um, so my club is called Outlaws Edge, but the group, my team is called Reckless. Reckless. So, and what's the, what do they look for in a, a great cheerleading group? What do they look for? Do you think lots of, lots of um, spectacular t- tumbling and diving and all that sort of stuff? Or? Yeah, they look for effort and they look for just really good like technique and tumbling. Like they would prefer to have like really straight legs and bent legs. There's like a lot into it. Like it's very hard on your body. I bet it is. I've I've seen the cheerleaders in uh, American football. Um, uh, is that the same sort of thing when they lead out the teams and uh, all the flowing of the batons and all that sort of stuff? Do you do the baton twirling and well, all that sort of stuff? Yeah. it's um, So what I do is called all-star cheerleading. So we don't cheer for teams. We do it just like against cheer teams. Right. Yeah. So um, there's like two different types of cheerleading. Well, see, I didn't know that either. But I, but I suspect that when you watch the, I don't know if you've watched the uh, American football, but if you see the cheerleaders there, they certainly, they certainly get out there and do it, don't they? They certainly throw everything to the wind, and they're very, yeah, they're out there. It's all a, full of colour and movement, and uh, yes, I suppose yeah, they they practice. I know uh, they practice and practice and practice all the time, don't they? It's a full time job for them. Yes. Because I can't, I have to like only do one sport. I can't do like two because of cheerleading. Yeah, it's uh, is is enough. So, what are you going to do with yourself uh, later on in life, Jasmine? Do you know? Is cheerleading just a a road to something else, to dancing or whatever? Yeah, 
Um, so I also do dancing. I do ballet, but um, cheerleading is actually going into the Olympics, the next Olympics. So I might try and get into the Olympics when I'm older. Well, there you go. There's an ambition. Um, yeah, well, you better start now because you're, you know, by the time you're 16, and then 16 year olds get into the Olympics, don't they? So you never yeah. know. You never know, Jasmine. So, well, good luck with all of that. Um, Thank and, you. And do you go with, will your parents take you up there or you go with the group? And I'm going up with my parents. There you go. And how many's in your team? How many's in a cheerleading team? Um, there's about 18 people. Wow. All right. But it can, the max is 32. So, yeah. All, all right. And, um, uh, sorry, our team, like our club is very big. So it's in Queensland, Victoria and South Australia. There you go. Well, it, you, it'll be a big, it'll be a big deal. Whereabouts in, in the Gold Coast? Is it in the Gold Coast, did you say? Yeah. Whereabouts? Burley Heads. Burley Heads. Oh, lovely spot. You can go for a surf when you're not, <laughs> not doing your cheerleading. <laughs> yeah. How's things in Mount Eliza this morning, Jasmine? Good. I um, my dad just woke me up to talk to you because. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. Yeah, we we listen to you every Sunday, so yeah. <laughs> All right. Good on you, Jasmine. Good luck. Good luck, and Thank yeah, you. I'll hear from you again sometime. Okay. Bye, Nasa. Bye. <laughs> This is the All Over News. This is the All Over News, and I hadn't really heard of the National Regenerative Agricultural Day, Australia, which I believe is on next February, but Penny Scott, who's my guest this morning, knows all about it. Good morning, Penny. Good morning, Ian. Good morning, everybody across Australia. Tell me about uh, the National Regenerative Ag Day. This is a day when we celebrate how many farmers across Australia have changed from being intensive chemical input focused to working far more closely with natural systems and nature herself. The theme for us this year is exposing the chemicals in the food chain and raising awareness of the alternatives because most region ag farmers use very few, if any, ag chemicals on their properties now and as a result soil health increases in the olden days it used to be that we got all our nutrients our minerals and our vitamins from eating food grown in healthy soil however over the past 50 years with the introduction of synthetic fertilizers range of insecticides fungicides and pesticides the quality of our soil has diminished to the point where it basically doesn't give us much nutrition at all what's happening around the world i mean i assume that people will say that unless you use fertilizers and things like that to produce the mass quantities of food that we need because the population i think is going up to 8 billion very shortly they will say that look you need these otherwise we don't get fed It's a very common narrative, which is bandied about. However, when we take it, we investigate it a bit and analyse the situation as it is. The United Nations has quantified that at least a third of the food grown across the world is actually wasted. So it's not, we don't actually need more productivity. And this becomes a political argument. We need to be looking at where this wastage occurs. And it can occur from 
literally the paddock to the storage systems to distribution systems to manufacturing and then of course what is thrown out of every Australian's fridge so when we change some of these very simple issues we don't actually need to grow more food we need to be distributing it more equitably and improving some of our storage. We mentioned this National Ag Day. When is that and how will people go to it? It's the 14th of February, 2023, and it's a gazetted day now, and it's hijacking Valentine's Day, so you can (laughs) send your love to the farmers and the foodies. We're asking communities across Australia who are interested in clean food, nutritious food, to create their own events. And we'll have the information about how to do this on our website, which is still being constructed. However, we want to record where everyone is having an event and how they're celebrating clean, nutritious, wholesome foods, and particularly in local food supplies. Because a short supply chain is also really important instead of these very long, expensive food chains, the distribution systems, because the food gets old and stale and then needs irradiating to preserve it. Penny Scott, good to talk to you this morning. You're talking to us from Canoundra. Have you got a clean-up going on there? Oh, my goodness, yes. It's just been extraordinary. Yes, there's been damage in Canoundra. However, we just look 30 k's away to Yagara and think, my goodness, Canoundra suffered nothing in comparison to Yagara. Mm, and a few other places like that. It's almost of biblical proportions, isn't it? As somebody said about an earthquake to me once. Yes. Hearing the harrowing stories from friends in Yagara, amazing that no more people were killed. Heroic rescues happened. That's of biblical proportions, I reckon. Penny Scott, good luck and thanks for talking to us this morning. Thank you, Ian. This is the All Over News, and it was back in 1947 that the Bonegilla Migrant Centre opened its doors to thousands of migrant families, mostly from Europe. It was the beginning of a new life and a new way of life. The camp originally consisted of 24 blocks with accommodation units, a hospital, school, theatres, churches and community halls. From tomorrow, the 21st, the Bonegilla Migrant Experience at Bonegilla will commemorate the ex-resident stories as well as food and entertainment that cultures who passed through there brought with them. Some stayed a few weeks, others months, but for most, an unforgettable experience. Bonegilla was a temporary home for some 320,000 people between 1947 and 1971. It was back in 1997 when celebrating the 50th anniversary of Bonegilla that Bill from Noosa rang. Hello, this is Bill from Noosa. Hi, Bill. How are you, Macca? Not bad, mate. Yeah, so I was a teacher there for a while, Macca, and that was a racial stew like the table of uh, the Tower of Babel, that place. It was an amazing place, and lots of loving memories come from it. One memory that sticks very much in my mind is that often the wires were taken away from the camp completely to other camps, and the men, when they got some time off, would string out like browns, cows on the road, walking all the way to Wagga. Not an unusual sight to see at all. But one of the most lingering memories, I think, was the, the fractured English we used to get there. And one thing that was a very common story was the huts had corrugated cement sheet roofs with signs on them saying, please don't walk on the roof. And in common with a lot of other signs, mail would come back from Europe to the campers who'd sent their address to Europe and it had arrived at something like Sam Bowanovitz, please don't walk on the roof. <laughs> Hut C, Block 6, Bonagilla. Or Sam Bukanovic, keep to the left, <laughs> I'd see block six. And these people used to wander with pencils in their hands, writing their addresses down, most religiously, because we would tell them 
go back to your section and get your block number and your and the, the other signs that are there. And of course, we were admitted to tell them, don't put, don't walk on the roof, or keep to the left, or don't spit, or <laughs> don't throw rubbish. <laughs> but it was an amazing place. It was a lovely place. And it's what, what Australia is all about, Macca. We used to get these people come in and you'd have a class in front of you with these blank faces from all corners of the earth. Were you teaching English, Bill? Teaching migrant English. Mm. I'd come back from working in the Prime Minister's Department in Greece and Germany. And uh, I was a local, so I went straight on to there. But they'd have these blank faces and you could see they were nervous like little mice. And they had no common way of communicating because English was going to be it. Day after day after day, the blank faces. And then one by one, they'd light up as they started to understand. And as soon as they understand, the most interesting part about it, they'd start communicating with other races via English. And it was an amazing sight to see from the blank faces to the happy faces. Of course, then they realised they had all these other problems. It was factory fodder. They were sent off to obliging jobs, which I used to try and stop, and I used to get into a lot of trouble because I used to say, look, you don't have to go to these places. Go out and get yourself a job. And I'd drive them into Albury, and many of them are still there. I let them make their own choice, but nevertheless, that was it. But it was a beautiful place, and I'm so happy that everyone's there this weekend. You must have had a rewarding time there, Bill. Oh, yes. It flowed through to me because I learned as much as I taught. I followed on that with becoming involved in soccer and those sort of things. I was president of the local association down there. And it was magnificent to be part of Australian multiculturalism. I'm a bit against dividing Australia up into sections, but I'm very proud of the fact that Australia has got multiculturalism in it. It was fun and it was great. One of the most interesting things is that we found that they used to wander around using some pretty bluish idioms at times, swearing on things that they'd picked up from transport drivers or something like that. So it was decided we'd have a very secret session one day and we divided, unfortunately, wouldn't do it these days, I suppose, males from the females and had a serious talk to the males. We told them what swear words were all about. And unfortunately, we had them written up on the board and explaining a few of them. One of the politicians walked in and there was some quite delicate stuff written on the board I can tell you but the interesting part was that that was the only session I've ever seen a, a, a hectic conversation out on the on the grounds after the after the lesson normally they'd split up and head off home <laughs> they were all engaged head to head and hand waving <laughs> it, was, it was quite a program Bill where are you calling from this morning I'm up near Noosa you said you were a local down Albury local down that way but working in Cambodia a lot now and, uh, and Laos and a few of those lovely places and what's that like? Oh, look, uh, my multiculturalism, I suppose, but Laos and Vietnam and, and, uh, and Cambodia particularly had that French heritage, so you've got the big wide avenues with the established trees and the beautiful food. And I see it the same as I saw in Hungary and, and Prague and Russia in the, in the 90s, the early 90s, when the things changed. It's only going to be a year, and these will be beautiful international cities again. The substance is there. But it's marvellous to go to a place like Cambodia and the motorbikes go past sort of going, put as opposed to Bangkok where they go past you like that. Bill, is it Barngilla or Bonagilla? Uh, is it Newcastle or Newcastle? If you ask me, it's Bonagilla. Yeah. But go and ask in Keywar Street in Albury, there's uh, the former editor of the Border Morning Mail, or as we used to call it, the Boring Maudland Mail. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Thompson's house, and it's called Bonagilla or Bonagilla, and I suppose he's got as much right. Ask some of the locals, ask, ask some of the old Aussies, they'd tell you. It was a lovely spot, it really, really was. They were pioneers just as the old paintings depict of the park hut being built and all that sort of stuff. They were, they were real pioneers. Bill, thanks for your call this morning, it's nice to talk to you. I love you, America. Good on you.
This is the All Over News, and speaking of anniversaries, Jeff Parks emails and says, Hi, I'm from the Nasho Fair Go, the association that represents 1965 to 1972 national servicemen who did not serve in Vietnam. And I'm asking if you could give a mention to a ceremony that we'll be holding at the Melbourne Shrine of Remembrance on Saturday, 10th of December. It will be a wreath-laying ceremony to mark the 50th anniversary of the abolition of national service. This is a very special date for all old 1965 to 1972 Nashos. It will be a time when we reflect on that huge event which changed so many lives. The shock of basic training, the mateships made, becoming a soldier, and then the challenges of re-entering civilian life, lest we forget. Details can be found on our website, all the W's, nashofairgo.com.au. And from Charles Everett, who writes, Dear Ian, on the 2nd of November, a memorial service was held at the Orange Cemetery for the 97 service personnel buried in unmarked graves that have now been found, and their grave sites are now marked by white wooden crosses. Many of these 96 servicemen and one servicewoman had been interned after the First World War in the then-named Orange Mental Hospital with what was called shell shock, with no idea of relatives buried in unmarked graves. This is the result of five years' work by Sharon Jamison and the Orange Brants of the RSL. The white wooden crosses were made and painted by students of Canobolis High School, with each cross named. The service followed the usual 11am memorial service, with two students from Orange High School reciting a poem of remembrance and singing the national anthem. Students from Canobolis High School read out the names of the 97 personnel. The service concluded with a 21-gun salute by the local regiment. A lady from Melbourne attended the service. Until she was contacted by Sharon Jamison, she had no idea where her grandfather had been repatriated to in Australia after the war. Other families have been contacted. How things change. The hospital was opened in 1925 as the Orange Hospital for the Insane. Then it changed to the Mental Hospital. And in 1954, Bloomfield Hospital after the suburb it stands in, says Charles Everett. Thank you, Charles. G'day, Macca. Fabian Dixon. Oh, g'day, Fabian. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Macca. I'm uh, presently on what I call uh, the Isle of Capri of the Southern Hemisphere, which is, uh, which is code for Flinders Island. Uh, and uh, I've been here for a week, uh, Macca, and uh, I have to say that if uh, uh, the creator of uh, this universe wanted to have a showcase uh, to show people what is beautiful in nature and what is good, it would have to be Flinders Island. It is uh, one of uh, the hidden gems of Australia and uh, it's so good I'm not going to tell anyone about it. Exactly. Right, in a, sort of a, almost in the middle of Bass Strait, uh, a bit like King Island, I suppose, but it's a bit more remote, a bit more not as... Um, uh, famous, I suppose, as King Island, is it? No, although, you know, to the south of uh, Flinders Island, you've got Preservation Island and Rum Island, which is where the Sydney Cove ran aground uh, uh, when it was bringing out uh, all the rum and they uh, they managed, the, the ship sank, but they managed to save the rum and put it on this little island called <laughs> Rum Island, which they uh, then uh, very carefully back in those days sailed down and got the rum. So just shows you what was important in those days. It's sometimes fairly important today. And there's a little... Uh, and when we were on Flinders, there was a lady uh, 
came in to talk to us and she said, I said, where are you from? And she said, I'm from Punchin Island, which is you know, another alcoholic sort of <laughs> derivated, <laughs> name, derivated name, isn't it? A little Punchin of rum or something. I don't know. Is that right? A Punchin? Is, uh, yeah, yeah. A, a, little, a little dram of rum. But one of the interesting things that uh, is that the, the main mountain on Flinders Island, uh, uh, Macca, is uh, Mount Streslecki. And uh, as... Uh, uh, the listeners probably know, it was Paul Streslecki who came out here in about uh, 1839 who who named Mount Kosciuszko, Australia's highest mountain, after uh, a Polish democratic leader called Tadez Kosciuszko. And he was down here uh, on Flinders Island in about 1841 to 1842. And uh, they've, uh, the, the, as I say, the highest mountain is, uh, is Mount Streslecki. So he, he covered... Uh, a fair bit of uh, Australia uh, Count Streslecki, although, strictly speaking, I don't think he really was a Count, but it seemed to get him places, <laughs> <laughs> to get him places that uh, others couldn't get. But you were talking about um, just wind farms then, uh, Macca. There are, there, are two, there are two turbines on uh, Flinders Island, uh, which I think if, uh, if the uh, screws came undone, they'd probably end up in New Zealand. It's that windy. We've got a big southwesterly gale here today, but that that provides uh, uh, most of the electricity for the whole of the uh, island. So uh, they're, they're used here and used uh, very effectively. Um, but the other thing I was watching this morning was I'm up at Killer Cranky Bay, which is a beautiful bay in Killer Cranky Mountain. As I say, I said to my wife when I first got here, Macca, I think I've died and gone to heaven. But, uh, <laughs> is, uh, is that Scottish, Killer Cranky? Is that Scottish? Yes, it is. Yeah. It is, yeah. But she soon brought me back to earth and said, no, just get on with the washing up, would you? So, uh, <laughs> uh, but it, 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 I was watching um, a couple of the cray fishermen uh, picking up their cray pots uh, in the southwesterly gale in the islands off here and uh, through the binoculars and I'll never, I'll never decry them a dollar for for any of the crayfish that they uh, that they get uh, here. Um, so it's it's good. And, and a couple of people here said to say hello to you, Alan and Margaret Wheatley, who uh, have the killer cranky diamonds. They said uh, to say hello because they said they know you and uh, know about the diamonds. Well, we but, did we did our program down on uh, Flinders about oh, I don't know ten years ago. I think uh, probably more. I think it was show day. Oh, show day was the next day. I think we were there on the Sunday. I think the show day was the Monday. I'm not sure, but yeah, we we had a lovely time there. Oh uh, yeah. Well, as I say, having having been lucky enough to travel the world, I I, I just find this place is uh, is is amazing. The nature, the friendliness. We went. We we found a little hidden gem last night. We went to a little restaurant down the way uh, on Flinders, and whilst I can't advertise it. it it's it's near a mountain and gives you a great view, but it, it was, the food was unbelievable, you know. And for a little island with six or seven hundred people to have that, that type of quality in a restaurant was uh, was the bee's knees for me. Uh, I wish uh, I was on Flinders. Uh, is it is it cool there this morning? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is very cool. We've had some great weather up till now, but uh, we've got a big southwesterly that's blowing in at the moment, so uh, it's blowing right into the bay here and. Uh, there's, uh, as I say, as I say down here, there's plenty for everyone. <laughs> uh, Fabian, all right. Well, nice to talk to you. So, you, how long are you going to stay there? Uh, I'll be here till uh, next Wednesday, and then back to uh, the rat race in Melbourne, and back uh, back to work. But 
at least I know that when I do enter the pearly gates, where I can say I want to go to. <laughs> Good on you, Fabian Dixon. Great to talk to you, mate. Thanks, Macca. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Good day, this is Macca. Yeah, good morning, Macca. How are you going? Good, this thank is you. Kate. Yeah, Kate from um, Chatsworth, near Gympie. Chatsworth. Yeah, so like a little suburb of Gympie now. It's um, the town spreading so quickly. We're um, the last rural place on the outskirts of Gympie before it becomes open forest. And um, I wanted to talk to you today, if you've got a moment, please, mm. about um, assistance dogs. Right. We, yep. um, we, we breed assistance dogs here on my farm. And we had a earmarked a beautiful little bitch that was um, going to start her training very soon, actually, her, her public socialisation training where you take the dogs out into the community to shopping centres, put them on trains, on buses and all this sort of thing. It's a, it's a specialised um, process. So um, my little bitch, uh, Rosie, um, went missing from the farm and uh, we think she's been stolen. So I'm kind of like just hoping that you can, I can use this platform, please, to get the message out. What what, um, what sort of a dog are they? Right. Well, my breed is a Labrador. Labrador. She's a golden lab. Yeah. She's so, seven and a half months old now. Um, very pretty little thing. And um, missing from the suburb of Chatsworth in Gympie um, on the 5th of November. So just on two weeks now. So it's been a, a very difficult two weeks trying to enjoy every day as your previous mm discussions mentioned but um it's been very hard so um yeah well if anyone's seen uh uh what's her name again rosie rosie if anyone's She'll seen rosie, to rosie. Gold, yeah, little, golden labrador yeah seven month old female labrador send, stands about knee high stands to your knee she's quite a tall little thing now she's growing very fast mm. Lots of posters and Facebook posts out. Um, every lost pet register from Rockhampton to the Gold Coast has got a listed. She's microchipped, desexed. She's she's fully covered. She will be due vaccinations, though, so um, she needs to get to a vet for that. I was just about to ask you, because Kate's lost a dog, Rosie, who's a, 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 an assistance dog. Um, yeah, lot, assistance dog in training, yes. In, in training, and, um, yes. and they're very important to... Um, the people who need assistance dogs, um, they're vital. They're wonderful things, aren't they? Uh, Kate, yeah, look, yeah. I was, I've been looking for you ever since I made that phone call because I promised to come to Gympie. And then when I heard the floods again, and I thought we should go to Gympie. How's Gympie doing, Kate? Well, it's recovering slowly. I must say there's still a lot of shops that are empty. And um, I think a lot of businesses that went under didn't have adequate insurance. But it's still that the damage caused by the water it's so deep you know all the electrical lines that got uh, affected and all the all the people trying to get those businesses rebuilt half of mary street is still quite empty um it's it's sad to see but there is really a resilient bunch up here and i've been um very heartwarmed by the responses i've been getting a support from the community to to help me find rosie but um yeah, the floods didn't do us very much good at all, I must say. Um, my farm got flooded through the centre and uh, luckily the drainage work was repaired the year before, so we did get it free-flowing, but it did fill up the dams very, very high. Very high indeed. What yeah. do you farm? I'm a macadamia farmer, actually, and um, that's that's why we had that interesting discussion last time I was on talking to you, and uh, you did promise to come up and see the Gympie community, so... Here's your chance to make amends. <laughs> I'll be there. I will. 
We will be there. We will be there. I'm not sure. We'll keep in touch, Katie, okay? Yeah, just um, if I could put out my phone number for anyone who knows anything about the dog, um, please call 0409792427. That's 0409242927. And, um, yeah, I'm I'm willing to listen to anyone who, who thinks they've seen her. Um, has got any information or you can do it anonymously. You can just, if you've got the dog and you're terrified of what to do with it, just take it to the pound. That's all you've got to do. No more will be said. Just take it to a pound. 0409792427. That's the one. Thanks, Maka. Good on you, Kate. Bye. All right. Star. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Oh, good day, Ian. It's Jasmine here. Hi, Jasmine. I'm um, out on a hot and windy morning up in the um, Northern Rivers picking, hand-picking coffee on our little coffee farm. So I thought I'd take a break and say hi. Uh, what's picking coffee like? Is that uh, tough work? I suppose that any picking's tough work. Well, it? it is because we hand-pick. I mean, most coffee farms don't hand-pick. You'd never, you know, well, not in Australia anyway. They'd probably hand-pick in, um, in Africa and South America, but here in Australia it's all done by machine but we our our little farm is only got well it had 700 trees and we've taken some out and we hand pick and sun dry so yeah so how long is that it's good how how long how long does that harvest take you it depends on the year i mean it can take anywhere from say september through to november Mm. um it's uh, a strange year i think all the the rain that we had because we're near Nearest Lismore, so we had a lot of you know that Northern Rivers rain mm. earlier on, and it washed a lot of the uh, nutrients out of the soil. But um, yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's a movable feast from year to year. So your coffee, it's like a little boutique farm. What do you do with your coffee? Do you 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 sell it obviously, or do you, do you well, drink it all yeah. yourself? Or what? <laughs> well, actually, um, my husband has Parkinson's, so he can't drink caffeinated coffee. So we have to buy decaffeinated coffee in for him, which we find rather ironic. Um, and I only drink one cup a day. Look, we used to sell it through the local, you know, fruit and veggie shop and other people. But then we took out a number of trees. And so our family and friends all line up for it now. Um, and, yeah, they buy it for us, which basically covers the packaging and the, well, and the, and the roasting. And Otherwise, what... no, it's no money in it. And and you're in Uralaba, is that right? It's a little dot on the map called Uralba, and it's oh, sort of outside of yeah, outside of Austinville, hinterland, Ballina. I'll come so it's s- up up on the hill. I'll come and see you sometime. Um, Absolutely, we've got coffee waiting for you. <laughs> Good coffee too. <laughs> Good on you. Lovely to talk to you, Jasmine. Good, nice to talk to you, Ian. Bye. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.